0: Welcome, everyone, to It Simply Isn't Done,
1: the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm Reverend Jess Davenport.
0: And I'm Reverend Barry Petrucci.
1: We are the pastors at Chapel Hill Church.
0: And together we are the The Reverend Reverends.
1: And uh, like the name would suggest, this podcast is the message from Sunday, where we share the scripture and then the sermon, and uh, we meet you back for some reflection on that message.
0: There will be an opportunity to, if you look down in the notes, you will see a place where you can go directly to the reflection. If you already listened to the scripture uh, and the sermon, or if you just want to skip them all together and uh, just hear what we have to think about it, um, you can go there.
1: We're happy you're here. We are indeed. We are in week two of PCH Playlist here at Chapel Hill. It's our epiphany series where we're uh, taking your stories Um, and how your stories, your faith stories, connect with music and hearing a little bit from you.
0: So if you have not already uh, listened to the scripture and the um, sermon, it's an opportunity for you to do that now. If you've already done that, you can skim ahead as indicated. What? (laughs) Nothing. You didn't like skim ahead?
1: I wasn't expecting skim. It makes me think of like getting bugs out of a pool. Go
0: to the... (laughs) Well, we probably want to do that. Go to the marker that's indicated in the uh, the notes, the liner notes of this seventy-eight.
1: And then, after you do that, we will catch you uh, for some reflection.
2: Our scripture for this morning comes from 1 Corinthians seven, verses twenty-nine through thirty-one. I mean, brothers and sisters the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as those who are not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it for the present form of this world is passing away. And then in Mark 1, 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Je- Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Well, good morning. I need more than that. Good morning. Good morning. So this is Dynamics Sunday of PCH playlists. So that means sometimes we're gonna be really quiet. Sometimes we're gonna be really loud. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. And everybody out at in their home spaces turned down the television right at that moment. So Amanda Rounds um, is a part of our congregation and She knows, as most of us know, the challenges of health or emotional trauma. Most of us know the associations between those times in our lives and the music that surrounded us in those times, the music that sustained us, or even the music that pulled us through. Amanda is a mom. And a teacher. So
3: I would say my love for music started and when I was really little. Already. I would sing all of the time. My family said that I sang before I talked. <laughs> um, but mostly in church with my family, I learned a lot of fun songs. Um, Jesus Loves Me was my first big one that I loved.
0: Well, I'll, I'll just be done with my intro, Eric, and we could just start it over again. This is Amanda. <laughs>
3: So I would say my love for music started when I was really little. I would sing all of the time. My family said that I sang before I talked, Um, but mostly in church with my family. I learned a lot of fun songs. Um, Jesus Loves Me was my first big one that I loved to sing, but um, singing for me since I was little and on has made me feel joy and made me feel full of the Spirit since I can remember Um, music was a huge part of my journey with my son Gideon when he was battling cancer i'd say we relied on music quite a bit um we modest yahoo's one day was one of Gideon's favorite and life is a highway um and we would sing all of the time and his doctors actually said for some reason, Gideon is responding to this treatment so, so well. And I, honest to God, I believe with my whole heart and soul that is because he had this perspective of finding the joy regardless of what he's going through. I've never seen a human being go through so much as I did my little son. And finding the joy and music brought that joy to both of us. I am a musician myself. When it comes to my singing, I'd say I sing a lot more than I play. I can play a little bit of piano enough to get me by and um, being a music teacher for eight years. (laughs) But um, I taught little ones um, for that time period and that was absolute heaven. That was so much fun sharing the joy of music with the kids. It was actually um, music's customs and culture. And we learned about different cultures around the world through their music. Um, And what an amazing gift that was to watch these little kids have their eyes open to different ways. And the one thing that connects us all is that joy of music and coming together and gathering and feeling that joy together, that it's worldwide and it doesn't matter where you're from, we have music everywhere. That was a fun, very fun gig. (laughs) So I teach eighth grade English now. Um, so I have two passions, I'd say, English and music. Um, but we talk a lot about poetry. We do some song analysis together where we talk about why certain words stir us the way that they do, what, what kind of um, rhythms and what kind of words get to our souls and make us feel. Um, and that, to me, is music, even if it's in a poem. Um, or in a song, so we find poetry in songs. No matter what I've been going through, I feel like I can listen to a song, feel that joy, and I feel the Holy Spirit dancing inside of me too. (laughs) So I feel a connection to music that brings me closer to God um, than I would have normally just just talking or anything else because with the beat and with the rhythm and with the um, repetition sometimes, um, and, and the poetry within it, it just lights me up inside. Words and music together. I feel like the way that they work together, because I love words, love words. English, oh, reading, I love it. But with combined with music, it takes it to another level, I think, and it, it just, those, that combination of the feelings and the um, you know crescendo and the, the silent quiet moments can speak so loud too. I just feel like there's more language than just the words. There's the emotion of the song and the strings and the um, the drums, everything together creates this bigger, fuller picture inside of me at least, yeah. So a song that's particularly important to me is Salisbury Hill by um, Peter Gabriel. And I feel like that is my song that I go to when there's a huge change in my life. Change is so scary. Um, And it's, it's that fear of the unknown and losing control for a minute because what I'm about to do, I have no idea what the next step is. And to me, it's that moment of faith that you just let go and know that and trust that you're going to be held. Um, So in the song, he goes out on a walk and he's not loving where his life is at. And he's in this dark moment, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's not sure. But as he's in the na- in nature, he feels this overwhelming presence. And to me, that's the Holy Spirit. And he talks about this eagle that flies, um, and the eagle is saying to him, "Come with me. Like, don't be afraid of what's the unknown. Just step outside. I'm co- I've come to take you home." And to me, home means like uh, what's supposed to happen in your life. But I feel like that song talks about going into a different direction where you're feeling led where you follow your heart you follow your soul and you go in that direction you're like i know people are gonna think i'm crazy and there's actually a line in the song that says people will think i'm a nut (laughs) because i'm and um because i'm making this change and i was so successful there but i just feel led to go in a different direction and that song talks about that that don't fear the unknown go in the direction where you know you're being led
0: Thanks, Amanda. When we did the prayer stations asking for music that was meaningful to folks, particularly at the level of moving the spirit, um, you know, lots of folks felt comfortable doing uh, videos uh, and some did writing. And uh, Travis Devlin clued us into a song called From This Valley, and it's from the folk duet, The Civil Wars, uh, who are really no longer in existence, right? but but the music is out there. Uh, So Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jess, often, often, I often confuse the two and I'm sorry about that. Um, You'll get me back, you know you will. So we wanted to do it, so we did.
4: Oh, we're not done oh there's more oh the cage bird dreams of a strong wind that will flow beneath her wings like a voice longs for a melody oh jesus carry. you tell
1: We're done for real, yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you, and we hope we pass the audition. (laughs) Travis wrote to me, I have always felt that this song somehow manages to capture what pure joy feels like when it comes as a natural outpouring from being known and loved by God. This joy is often more fleeting than we would like, a joy that we struggle to keep at the forefront of our thoughts as we go about our everyday lives. Everyday life has so much besides joy that attempts to take its place by demanding our time, our attention, our care. Still, still there is comfort in knowing that that joy is always available to us, underlying it all to sustain and uplift us. There is comfort in knowing that when we allow the joy that comes from God's love to flow through us, it can draw us forth from the valleys that we will inevitably encounter along life's path and gives us hope. So I pushed Travis a bit on the challenges, on the places of life that are or risk the potential of sucking the joy out of life. He wrote about catastrophic things that he has not personally experienced but empathized as virtually all have, some relationship that we have to loss, some things that contain grief for us. His own loss of a grandfather with whom Travis was very close. He writes, he set an incredible example in my life, so I still feel this loss deeply at times. Still, I don't think that I've yet been tested to the point of having to find a way to hold tightly to joy in the midst of struggle. I guess my hope is that when those times come, songs like this one will remember, will, will be there as a reminder. I appreciate Amanda and Travis uh, adding to worship for us this morning. Our musical word is dynamics. Whether you know how to read music or not, you know dynamics from your listening, right? The changing of volume and intensity, they're what we mean by dynamics. Our hymns this week at the first service was cr- were all crafted to bring both mixtures of dynamics and rhythms to make us conscious of how, to, how speed and intensity change our relationship to the music. It's uh, always more obvious at this service because those shifts happen in, in, in larger ways. Uh, this morning, we kicked it up a little bit so people would take notice at the first service and with the more traditional hymns it matters in this pch playlist series because we experience life and spirit to move all over the place in intensity and pace right amanda and travis testified to the work to the song as a reflection of life experience the words the music pianos guitar strings brass the drums the bass we know it's all about the bass all of this move us such that a song particularly resonates with our life's experience, our soul's experience. A song becomes part of our life's playlist because it touched us. It touched us at just the right time in the right place, becoming a critical piece of our memory. Right? We talk about that kind of thing all the time. I know exactly where I was when I first heard that song that popped up on the radio. Or That, that was our class song. Or we kissed, dancing to that song, and it makes me cry every time I hear it. Or we sang that hymn at my best friend's funeral, and I cannot get through it without crying. Different kinds of tears, different kinds of memories, all moved by the rhythm and the intensity of the song and the lyrics and the place. Paul was all about the rhythm and intensity of life. He was a rhythmic and intensive dude. Our short little sort of weird text from 1 Corinthians is sort of weird for us primarily because he is writing to this young church from an apocalyptic viewpoint. The kingdom of God is being ushered in when Jesus returns. And for Paul, that was happening like any time very soon, so be ready. So whatever you're doing, Paul writes, that you think is so very important, relate to it as though it's not important at all. The Greek text behind the theology is osmen, as if not. As if not. He starts with encouraging men not to get married unless they absolutely have to in order to avoid greater sin. And even if you are married, live as if you're not. Keep, just keep your focus on the faith and on the return of Jesus, and you'll be okay. For those who are in mourning, act as if you are rejoicing. For those who make their living buying and selling, act as though you have nothing. And for those who, are, who have so much important to do in dealing with the world, act as if the world were unimportant. The present form of the world is fading away, says Paul. It's like a a song that you love, verse and chorus solid, and you're grooving to it. But then there is this weird musical bridge thing with words set to a different meter, and the message sounds and feels like it's going in a direction you were not expecting. Sommen, as if. It was Paul's way of making sense of Jesus, talking about the kingdom of God both here and yet to come. The gospel text takes the song in a different, far less frenetic direction. It's a laid-back song of invitation, following of strolling down the beach at Galilee, preaching good news, calling out that the kingdom of God has come near. In fact, I'm here. I'm here for you. He calls people to repent it's a word we really don't like very much but it simply means to turn it means to turn from disbelief toward belief and then he puts flesh on the broad invitation and picks up some soon-to-be friends in low places right Career fishermen are tapped by Jesus to become career fishers of humans. Career or not, we are all of us tapped on the shoulder by Jesus to share our playlists with folks and to share the good news we have discovered in and around the music of our lives. The Reverend William Sloan Coffin commented that a lot of people hold certainty dearer than truth. There's a cultural bias that seems to suggest that nothing should ever be done for the first time. We act as though we all have to have it together all the time. Sounds about right. So, Ted Loder writes that we much prefer certainty. We much prefer certainty to uncertainty because uncertainty is one of our greatest fears. And so, we try to hold it off by holding fast to our habits our biases, our opinions, the way we've always thought and the way we've always done things. The sad consequence of that, though, is that insisting on certainty means forfeiting creativity. That distorts the gospel, and it shrinks our lives. Therein, we love our music. Even if we dare not risk making music ourselves for fear of not being good enough, So lots of us hold it all inside until we're maybe alone in our showers or alone in our cars, and then we can break loose with whatever voices we think are wonderful or not. Can you imagine if everyone let that fear take over and no one ever created? If everyone let perfection be the enemy of the good? It would mean a world quite dull and deprived of the creativity of risk-taking composers Artists, poets, writers, prophets, performers, preachers. And yet, we rejoice and are glad when our children, when our children just starting out, take the risk and are by no measure perfect, but they dare to create. They dare to do amazing finger painting. They dare to go to dance class. They dare to go to a musical recital. They dare to try out their writing and their first poetry. You fill in the blank. You know the slack we cut kids so that they can try and grow, and yet we don't cut it much for ourselves. All learn in the risk. All echo the life realities of the sounds from the quietest, the pianissimo, the we in the small to tones fortissimo, bold, loud, reverberating, shaking, shaking the very foundations. We all live in those spaces, and yet we tend to keep ourselves in a very narrow lane, the same volume, the same timber. So it was, and so it is, that Jesus comes up to amateurs those who know nothing about inviting people to know Jesus and inviting people into community. Jesus invites those wet behind the ears, those unfaithful, those know-nothings. He invites them to follow, to hear the music and then write the music for the life joy of others. This week... A couple of things I encourage you to do. First, consider the playlist of your own life. Pay attention to the dynamic movement, the pianissimos, the real quiets, the pianos, the less quiet, the fortes, the getting louder, and the fortissimos, the really big, bombastic sounds. What resonates most for you right now? Are they the quiet places, those middle places, the loud places? Think about your entire life. What's the music? that has danced in your heart and has gotten you to move your feet. Finally, consider how music might help you share your life story, your faith story with others. You know, we talk about testifying. Most of us are uncomfortable going up and telling people, hey, do you know Jesus? But we might be more comfortable talking to somebody and passing them a a playlist with some songs that have been meaningful to you and have led you to God in times when you absolutely needed that. Is there a song that someone you know needs right now, a song that meant the world to you when you were in similar places? Can we simply say to another, I thought this song might be meaningful to you right now? Things that folks don't know about my partner in ministry, Jess Davenport, is that um, she's really very kind and thoughtful about where people are in their journeys. And when I went on an uh, eight-week sabbatical, um, just took the thoughtful time of doing a playlist along my journey. These are songs that I think you should hear. And here's what it meant to me. Here's what I think it's about. Check it out. So, evangelizing may simply be passing a song to somebody. It's not so bad. May it be so. Welcome back.
1: Welcome. All right. Well, it's week two. So we have heard four stories from folks connected to Chapel Hill and how music... Um, intersects with their faith. This week was on. Now,
0: this week was all about dynamics.
1: Dynamics.
0: And we used a Pauline letter to the church at Corinth, um, the first letter, chapter seven, and then we did uh, Mark, which is the call of the of the uh, first apostles, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Two very different vibes, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we wanted to we wanted to be thinking about dynamics and the way that they impact our our relationship to music, um, but also the world. So um, we spent a good deal of time at the first service, uh, changing up some dynamics in music. That uh, nine o'clock traditional hymnody tends to be fairly flat in the mid range, so everyone's comfortable. Uh, and we don't. We're Methodists, so we don't sing too loud. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're guilty of not singing at all from time to time. But uh, <laughs> we s- certainly do not take uh, John Wesley's instruction uh, that we that we sing. Uh, what was the word? Because you corrected me once before.
1: Lustily, believe it or not. Lustily. Sing lustily. Lustily. It's in the front of every Methodist hymnal. Lustily. Um, I would not recommend that. But maybe, you know, with some enthusiasm could be a good (laughs) change. (laughs) We could edit those notes.
0: We'll see what we can do in the next edition of the united method symbol
1: mm-hmm. priorities for the church.
0: Yeah. so sure. anyway for nine o'clock we mixed it up quite a bit uh, the 11 o'clock already already does a good deal of uh shifting of dynamics from soft to loud and uh and ranging tempos to to fit our relationship to the to the music uh we did more of it than we usually do at nine o'clock so there was some experience of the uh the key word for the day
1: Mm -hmm. so you had you had kind of a tall order in that we have these two stories um two faith stories from first of all two very different congregants so i loved how that illustrated um the difference in dynamics whereas one would like i would be mortified to even be (laughs) be on film but i i think i might write because you you lightly um, and sweetly cajoled him, I'm sure. <laughs> and then um, Amanda, who's a teacher who's used to kind of being in front of folks and um, comes across, I don't know if she actually is, but comes across a little more extroverted and more comfortable oh, in that yeah. zone, right? Yeah, she is. So um, that was a fun dynamic just to have the juxtaposition of the two stories. But then you also had these two scripture stories, which from first glance, you're like, "What? what's going on here? So tell us, Barry, what, what was going on what there? What was
0: going on there? Yeah, Well, um, not unlike, Travis and Amanda um very different people and Paul uh you might remember um considered himself an apostle as much as those that Jesus Mm -hmm. gathered up alongside Mm -hmm. the Sea of Galilee and he considered himself an apostle to the degree that he um was convicted that he he was present with jesus in his first coming and now was all about telling the churches and anyone who listen largely gentile community now um uh, telling them that jesus is coming again and it's coming quickly so this is an apocalyptic uh writing in which he's really telling the men of the church uh the leaders that they need to get their priorities in shape and the prayer if they th- think their priority is marriage uh, twist that around and and act as though you're not married uh, if your priority is is uh, commerce then turn that around and uh, don't care at all about stuff but don't care at all about property and so on so in some ways it's it's taken on Jesus in the gospel where he's kind of encouraging us to think to flip things around and see them another way. Uh, but Paul's doing that with an eye toward an immediate return of Jesus mm-hmm. where it's not clear that the other apostles uh, really were looking out for another return because they pretty much emphasize the return that they got after the resurrection.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Jesus comes to visit again.
0: Yeah, and cooks breakfast. Yeah. I love that.
1: Breakfast on the beach, yeah, I love a lot of that. Well, we, hopefully we can get into that after Easter because that is a that is a great story. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because if you distill what Paul's saying, you have to do some work, right, to get past kind of the like. Ugh of it <laughs> the, the what i feel is the paul ick factor which goes in several times where you know again he's only at this church you know, in other churches he addresses women um but in this church he's only addressing men um and kind of lumps in wives as if they're distraction to life and to religion and you know um but that's not great <laughs> i think we no, can say re- you know. really and
0: and when he talks to women and other texts it's uh not in particularly good ways unless they happen to be women that are funding his ministry
1: yeah big fan of lydia <laughs> lydia he's here for lydia funding the, the ministry. The purveyor
0: of purple
1: yes yeah and i mean he's he's famously aggressively single so there's maybe some of his own stuff going on with that um and then the possessions and the mourning right like he yeah but if you distill it um i do think the his very intense i think you know, I think you use the word frenetic um, understanding of like, stay focused, stay focused. Like our faith is so important. Um, and again, his thought was Jesus was coming back any minute. Like we don't have time to lose focus. Like you've got to like this ministry is the thing you need to stay focused on every single second of every day. Whereas it seems like Jesus, God incarnate, was much more willing um, to let things slowly unveil, right? To just let it let it be and kind of through the relationships and through the things that Paul might consider distractions, uh, Jesus was perhaps a little more willing to kind of let let the God stuff be a part of that and let yeah. people do a little more of their own work. Would you, do you feel like that's fair?
0: Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, I'm teaching uh, Disciple 3 or whatever it is now Um on Tuesday nights, and we're doing Paul's letters, mm. and uh, we watched a video and uh, about the life of Paul. And um, after that, like one of the members, everybody was very quiet, and one of the members says, "I feel out of breath." Yeah, because Paul, in as much as he was calling the church at, at Corinth to pay attention to things that he considered really what matters, that was how he lived his life. Uh, mm-hmm. He he went all over creation <laughs> he started uh, least, so many at churches. least the known empire starting yeah. churches um bringing people alongside him into leadership um he was convicted in such a way that um it's like thank god for paul but i don't want to i don't want to be that <laughs> because yeah. mm-hmm. because in the mission in the larger mission um paul easily forgot that he was dealing with people
1: yeah yep he was so focused, myopically focused on Jesus' immediate return. Um, you know, it's almost I like. I wish I wish Paul had a little fun. I'm not sure he ever did. You know,
0: it's not recorded. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's what we
0: need to discover. The fun writing is of Paul. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, you know, and like God, you you know, and I, fun is really important to me, and I think a, a gift. Um, You know, so it's just kind of, he's just, he's myopic, I think, and intense. And all his letters were really, in his own way, kind of his mentoring of these communities that he started, that he kind of built on, and they were specific to the particular communities. And so it's fascinating when churches have this kind of intense bias towards Paul's writing instead of the gospel, because like it's he's singular and he's who we have right he's in the canon um and some people that wrote kind of pretending to be him but you know kind of same same gig and that's a one one particular person's one particular understanding um which i think god speaks through but we do need a breath right
0: yeah i mean it's, it's it's a challenge we and this this is a larger issue that we could take up some other time um you know, it's a challenge of it being canon, and so we elevate it to an authority that mm-hmm. we don't give uh, to other things that are not scripture uh, appropriately, but on, the, but on the other hand, just because you give authority to scripture doesn't mean everything else is discounted. So, we've got, we've got testimonies and writings of uh, women through the ages mm-hmm. who didn't make it into the canon.
1: Because they were women, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and who was making decisions about the canon, right? Mm-hmm. Men, um, so we've we've got these testimonies that we were not utilizing, and and so I think you and I just are mindful that we make sure we bring those voices in in worship and in teaching, um, because they it, it's not that Paul is is wrong in a way that we need to excise it from the canon but it is to say that it was not the complete testimony uh, and that there's some really problematic pieces there that do not jive well with the gospel accounts of jesus
1: yeah you know yeah paul is this human and also wasn't meaning for that i you know it's hard to make the argument paul was meaning for his letters to be for everyone for all time and um, when they were so incredibly specific, like, please bring my coat back, you know. Like, <laughs> and, and forgive so, my handwriting. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> the juxtaposition of Jesus walking along and taking a more leisurely, like, stroll. Um, kind of a, you know, come and see. Maybe this is for you. He knew, but like, maybe this is for you. As opposed to, here's a list of what you can and cannot do. And Jesus is coming tomorrow. Don't even look at your wife. Like they're very different, and I think we need both. I think at times in our life we probably all need both. Uh,
0: maybe I. I, 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 well, <laughs> I think
1: maybe is fair. Maybe is fair.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of what Jesus was doing, um, and I don't, I didn't bring this in, I don't think. Part of what Jesus was doing was um, bringing in folks who were wet behind the ears I did use that phrase but but really um had no sense of what the messianic ex- expecta- expectation might have looked like other than what they got from the temple which was a very high level um military uh, yeah. king oh. figure um and and Jesus walks the beach with them and, and no one's expecting the messiah to come walking the beach with you right so so he does this this um, I'm going to give you an experience of me I'm going to hang with you and you're going to hang with me and we'll see how it goes that is a that is a uh, a relational approach yes. mm-hmm. and Paul is already in the place where um, he's got he's got his own core Mm-hmm. group of followers who get him odd as that is um, but now he has to instruct the, the churches and our problem is we only get part of the communication we get one-sided part yeah. of the communication we really don't understand the context of the churches mm-hmm. to which he writes. Um, so we, we need to take Paul with a with a large grain of salt saying that there, there's things we cannot understand about these. These writings, because the context is lost to us.
1: Yeah, and what and what might we gl- more globally understand as opposed to just prescriptively, you know, taking whatever he says to be to yeah, be and gospel.
4: If we, if we, and if Whoa. we
0: understand, if we understand ourselves to already be a part of the faith community, um, the best thing we can do is to invite people to come and see. Is mm-hmm. uh, to tell that simple story the the kind of didactic teachings of Paul when we take those on um, they become ingenuine because they're not they're they're, they're outside of our experience in the 21st century Christian world Mm -hmm. Uh, world of Christians not a world that is a Christian world (laughs) what else
1: Wow, dude, that's so much. What do you mean, what else?
0: That was a lot. That was like, this is our double, this is our second recording, folks, because we had we had technical difficulties.
1: We did, we did. I did really appreciate, um, as I think you might gather I would, the uh, personal challenge to think through, like what, what dynamic is speaking to you, what might you need, and what might that look like? Um, I think whenever we can let folks know or affirm the reality that just as there are seasons of life there are seasons of our faith and they, they, it doesn't always look the same and um, I especially appreciate that because we're coming into this uh, time of change here at Chapel Hill and people by and large will say I don't like change right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like change and that's, uh, that's really interesting to me because we're we're changing all the time, constantly, whether we want to or not. Um, like, even on a cellular level. Like, change is just kind of the way things go. Um, yet, some of us are so resistant to it because of our own comfort or, or whatever other reason. So, I think um, affirming that in our spiritual journeys and our faith journeys, we should expect there to be change and things won't always be exactly the same is helpful um, and, and drawing that out a little further, the realization that that's helpful for the church at large as we're in the midst of a change, which some folks yeah. will just by nature be a little resistant to.
0: Sure. Well, well, I, I hear people say, I don't like change. And when I kind of dip into that further with folks, it's really, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't like this moment. I don't like this saying goodbye. I don't like this mm-hmm. saying hello. I don't mm-hmm. like all that I don't know about this new person that's coming Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know I don't like how far this is outside of my experience you know yada 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 and 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 once again we're reminded that everything about us responds out of this knee-jerk reaction of fear it's like I don't recognize this and so I'm afraid of it and so I'm gonna call it I don't like change because that sounds better than saying I just don't like this.
1: Yeah, or yeah, or I am uncomfortable. I'm afraid. Yeah, I find I find that to often be about some sort of discomfort, and what you know, humans we don't like to be uncomfortable, we don't like discomfort. I don't. <laughs> and like That's true part of change is the fact that yeah, it takes more energy, it takes more effort, it looks different. There's some adjusting to do, um, and what other option is there? You know. So it's a it's an interesting I appreciated you kind of laying some of the groundwork for that as we remind folks, like, yep, being a Christian is frankly almost primarily about change. Right? That's kind of the that's kind of what we do together, um and what God really wills for us uh, to be transformed.
0: Right? Yeah, god God never says anywhere. Oh, okay. Well done. Now we're now we're now it's complete.
1: Now you can stagnate. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. Now you'll no. be frozen in time. You will never age. Everything will be yeah. exactly as you want.
0: Yeah, the yeah. rest is just that. Mm-hmm. Uh stay tuned for the series on rest. But anyway, uh you know, when when we come to the seventh day and there's rest, it's just that. It doesn't mean that you stop. Yeah. It means you rest so that you can rise up again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the prayer I use at the end of uh disciple uh go let's let's all go home let's get our sleep so we can rise up again another day to serve God and God's people um that's all we get Mm
1: -hmm. we get
0: rest and we get change Mm -hmm. which is exciting
1: I think so I I mean I think speaking of that we were able to announce our uh incoming co-pastor the reverend Dr. April Gutierrez which is thrilling Were you singing Simon and Garfunkel?
0: I'm going to sing April, come Come she will. will.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's, uh, I'm so pumped. Um, I'm so excited. I I hope that folks heard that um, in the announcement with, you know, with the acknowledgement that it is bittersweet, right, and you're leaving. And we're doing something really cool here. Uh, You know, Chapel Hill, it's funny because I don't know that anyone's like, we're a really, you know, we're a cutting edge church. (laughs) Because we're not, right? Like we're, (laughs) we still have murals from 25 years ago downstairs. So the things that people might perceive cutting edge to be, we don't really live into that necessarily, uh, the frilly part of it. But in terms of the heart um, and the desire to want to do something, um do something that God might be calling us to that looks a little bit different this church actually has a huge capacity and will to change like doing a co-pastorate um having a methodist pastor for 23 years like that's not often done um yeah and then so having not only two women but one be a a person of color that is new it is new for this church it is new for our conference it is new for our jurisdiction and it might be new um, it might be new in our country. I'm trying to find evidence of that, but like that's that's exciting in and of itself, let alone the fact that um yeah, April's incredible it has a lot of really great gifts to help the congregation and to round out you know my shenanigans
0: yeah it's it's exciting and you know and when churches are doing stuff that um is not just not just about doing stuff but is kind of opening the door for further change and everything going on here is about that you're doing strategic pl- planning you got opportunity for a, a revised um governance model that puts people into uh, a closer closer ability to, to work on ministries that matter to them without getting hung up in in administrative meetings um so that's a that's a lot of exciting things but they're all things that that include risk and that's the thing is that is that jesus never says follow me and there there will be no risk it's the it's the exact opposite yeah to the point of his death
1: yeah right (laughs) it's
0: the exact opposite of that yeah Uh, so i i go to a a church in the grand rapids area that um sold their building i mean that's huge risk because we've Mm -hmm. been so property bound as churches for so long and uh they saw in that an opportunity to rethink what ministry looked like in the city. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Is it without risk? Oh, no. It's got a huge amount of risk in, involved. But that's, I mean, I look to churches that are on the cutting edge to be churches that have the greatest um, ability to to rest in risk and to be able to pivot. Yeah. And to say, that was an interesting try. Let's, that didn't work out quite the way we expected, but let's try this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, generally, I, I tend to think of myself as pretty risk averse. But I was also in campus ministry land, which is like, that happens all the time. There's the expectation of failure or the fact that something could be incredible for two semesters. And then you have a whole other group of students that are like, yeah, we hate that. We're going to do something else. <laughs> um, so th- that has helped me, that that memory of like, oh, no, like ha- risking potential failure um, and knowing that it'll, you know, that we'll have enough safeguards and relationships built that things will be okay. Like that's, that's exciting stuff. Um, and I appreciate that. Like, I, I love the risk of even doing strategic planning now because a lot of people are like, well, why are you doing it now? Why, why not? Like, why not do it now? Why just wait for someone else to waltz in and then take their vision as opposed to come, you know, let's come up with it together and invite someone into it
0: well and you've got such a rare opportunity because april has been i know has been facilitating the work uh that you've done so far in yeah. strategic planning and and now for um april to come alongside you as co-pastor that's just it's it's a dream team and a dream opportunity you and i you and i came on board uh in the best of times and the worst of times in the middle of covid and uh and was it yet, the best of times <laughs> and yet well it was and we we made it the best of times that things we did things in that risk in that time of risk that yes yeah. that we probably would not have done had we not felt it was it was uh, absolutely necessary given the conditions mm. of the world
1: yeah 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 and by and large this congregation responded really well yep Ugh. this is fun ministry can ministry can be so fun
0: Fun. We have nothing but fun. That's why I'm leaving. <laughs> Stop this frivolity. I'm sick of the fun around here. <laughs> we we even sang on Sunday. That was fun.
1: Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We did have to practice a little bit because neither of us... Um, like, I'm not a musician. You're a musician. And... um You know had to sing higher than you're used to while playing with harmony with the song you didn't know
0: (laughs) other than that was perfect
1: so we did
0: it and you know
1: and like that's a risk it it was was for me
0: it was risky and and on and on uh uh whatever facebook they pulled it because of a copyright. <gasps>
1: Did they? <laughs> That's funny because it sounds so different from the original. Yeah,
0: it was like how, how they would recognize us doing that song. I don't know. but
1: well, uh, Somebody per-
0: wants to give us royalties, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great. I'm here for it. Um, perhaps you'll hear what we call our duo, the Davin another time. But if not, you'll certainly hear from our preaching pastor, Barry, next week. Um, as we're in the third installment of PCH playlist, Fermata. Fermata, which will be lovely. Um, I will I'm traveling, so I will listen and then I'll uh, see y'all back here at the Apple A Service Project meeting at seven o'clock. And I don't know, that's what we got, right?
0: I think that's what we got.
1: Okay, see y'all next time.